Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is Relentless Daring on Podbean.com. Welcome to Land of Bourbon and Bad Decisions. This is Relentless Daring live on Podbean.com and the Podbean app. Uh, thank you so very much for joining me. All of those in the uh, live room, I see that my audio is working properly this time. I don't know what happened the first time around, but hey, the joys of internet anything. Um, so this whole last week, ever since the horrible, horrible shooting that occurred in Colorado, gun control has been on the forefront. Yippee skippy. Um, so I really don't know where to begin with this because it was such a weird story. When the shooting first happened... Everyone assumed it was a crazy right-winger. Oh, my God. Evil white dude with a gun. Then we saw the pictures, and there's a kind of a pasty, blubbery, hairy guy being led out of the cops with a bullet wound in his leg. And it immediately starts on all the racialness, all the the raciality of it. Oh, my God, it's an evil white dude. Look at it, there's a picture of him. And then the next day, Ahmad Al Isa. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, my, my, well, my Twitter friends, Adrian Slade, host of the Adrian Slade show. Get it wherever you get your podcast for free. Um, he says, I love how they said his name was Ahmed, Alyssa Milano. Um, but yeah, it's like all of a sudden it goes, Oh, people are choking all over their own tongues because now wait, shit. It's not a white guy. Um, yeah, well, don't worry, that all changed because they really started splitting hairs on the whole thing and, well, uh, uh, people from the Middle East are uh, technically Caucasian. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, wait, give me a second here. If I'm practicing anti-Palestinian, anti-Syrian, anti-Arabic, anti-Persian sentiments, I'm a racist because they're brown people. But the second the brown person 
does something that goes against the crazy left-wing narrative, they're white? Huh. That's just that's just the damnedest thing. The, the white Syrians are just taking over the world. But, and then they're automatically, they're also going for the, yeah, he, he was paranoid and uh, he, he had a lot of uh, mental health issues. Really? Why why now does it have to be mental health issues? Why couldn't it be that possibly he is a self-radicalized crazy person who, you know, maybe he just didn't shout Allahu Akbar before he opened up. I mean, I don't I don't know. There there's not a whole lot of stuff going on. Um eyewitnesses who you know, were there. They said straight up, uh, yeah, he, he didn't say he didn't say crap. Uh, he just came in, started shooting. And even then, as opposed to a lot of these mass shootings, it, it doesn't sound like he was just going in spraying bullets. They said it was like he was taking aim, pop, 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 pop. You know, placing controlled pairs. Now, I'm not saying that he was trained and he had any sort of expertise in what he was doing, but it did seem like he knew enough that he was... <laughs> Damn it, Adrian. Folks, if, if you've never done a live cast before and there's an open chat room either through your hosting service or if you're watching things on Twitter, MeWe, any of that, sometimes weird things catch you off guard, such as Adrian saying, call me chicken in a biscuit, because chicken biscuits are the best crackers known to man. And count number one for this show going off the rails tonight. No, you look like an idiot. Um, But... It's it's amazing that how quickly the narrative spun to be able to try to save face with the gun grabbing crowd and all the gun grabbery that's been going on. It it lights up social media like nobody's business. Um, and some of the people out there, the, the loudest voices, it seems, are people that. You know, at one point, not only are they in office where they took an oath to up, to uphold and defend the Constitution, they served in the military. And one of those at the top of the list right now for me is Colorado Congressman Jason Crow. Just reading his Twitter bio here, Dad. Husband, former Army Ranger, assistant Little League baseball coach, proudly serving Colorado's sixth in the People's House. Well, let's kind of look at it here. Um, There's a tweet from yesterday. I grew up a hunter and served as an Army Ranger. I didn't take my deer hunting rifle to Afghanistan, nor did I take my assault rifle deer hunting. Don't be fooled by the gun lobby. 
The type of gun matters. Weapons of war have no place in our communities, man. Um, a lady die says she lost hers in an accident. I just put mine upstairs because we all saw the video of Joe. He ain't making it to my guns. And and people want to talk about the HR ones. It's fighting voter suppression. Well, okay, if you're if we're concerned about voting rights, why aren't we concerned about all of our rights? Come on, Congress. You want to protect the rights of the people to you know, choose who the hired help is going to be. Why don't you protect the rights of the people to defend themselves when the hired help turns on them? <laughs> Pretty Princess Steve. Uh, that's not what they said in 1791. Everyone's hunting rifle was a weapon of war. Um, because, and I, I even told Colorado in a tweet uh, responding to this jack wagon, Congressman Crow, that, you know, hey, Colorado, the, the hired help is getting uppity. You might want to deal with it. Because... You know, we're talking about Jim Crow being suppression of, you know, the black vote. The Jason Crow is going to be the suppression of, you know, all those laws suppressing, you know, gun owners. And they're they're not really, and they're not really concerned about stopping criminals with guns. They're they're really not. All these gun right violations, they're not affecting, you know. You know, Jimmy Gangbanger out there on the corner pushing crack and trying to defend his territory. (laughs) Pretty Princess Steve, I bet Congressman Crow gets caught eating himself a lot. Well, I mean, he, you know, I I don't want to cast aspersions on uh, on a former army. But... Rumor has it he may have had a couple ribs removed. I'm just saying. But, you know, you know, Jimmy Gangbanger out there on the street who he's got a couple felony convictions for, you know, distribution. Um, yeah. He's not really going to give two craps about gun laws. The city of Chicago, possibly one of the deadliest cities in America. It's definitely in the top five. If you go by actual numbers, if you go per capita, per capita always throws it off and you end up with the podunk middle of nowhere town that had two murders in the entire year Oh, their per capita rate is like 500,000 per 1,000. But if you look at the actual hard numbers, Chicago, Baltimore, New York, Los Angeles, El Paso, you know, cities with a lot of gang activity have the highest actual violence. And for some reason, they're talking whiskey in the chat room. I see Jameson is a go-to. You know what? 
I think I'll pour me a glass of Jameson myself there, die. Make it a double pour. It's going to be a rough night. Um, you have all these super violent cities. People complaining in Illinois. Well, people in Chicago complaining. Ah, Indiana and Missouri. Uh, they they they've got their gun laws are too loose. Well, because in Missouri. You don't have to be a Missouri resident to buy a firearm. Now, if you live in California and you have a California ID, when you go to buy an AR, they're going to look at you and go, son, I know you really want this weapon, but as a resident of California, legally, I cannot sell you this because that's what the law says. We can sell you whatever is legal in your state of residence. So if you live in California where, you know, if you have a Pop-Tart that has been gnawed into the shape of a gun, that is illegal. You know, they're not going to they're not going to sell you that in Missouri. It's weird. But you know, people from Illinois complaining, I they just go to Missouri or Indiana. Well, okay, yes, they can do that legally. But here's the here's here's the crazy thing. If they're going out of state and they're buying a gun through legal means and they bring it back into the city of Chicago and they give it to a criminal, someone who is federally prohibited from owning or even possessing a firearm, they're breaking federal law. I know, I know, I know. It's it's crazy. I know, I got it. But how is that breaking federal law? Well, it's a wonderful thing called a straw purchase. Straw purchases are illegal. Even if I were to go, technically, if I were to go and buy a handgun and then give it to my wife, if there was not a, if there was not a carve out for, for gifts from one spouse to another, that would be a straw purchase, and it would be wrong. If I knowingly buy a gun and give it to a prohibited person, it is wrong. Of course, then again, these days, I'm finding myself more and more libertarian. And under the impression, you know, if, if random Joe Schmo did a felony jail sentence because he made a really stupid mistake when he was younger. And is now prohibited from owning firearms. Well, Joe Blow, he just happened to, you know, turn his life around and, you know, he's no longer the same dumb kid, you know, out running with the wrong crowd and breaking the law. You know what? He has completed his sentence. He did the mandatory prison time. If he was paroled, he completed the prison time plus the parole period for the length of his sentence. Fully reinstate his rights as a citizen. Let him vote. 
Let him own a gun. Let him do things that felons are not allowed to do. And it's a crazy, crazy viewpoint to hold, especially for some people on the right. There are some people on the right who are so by the law. They are so legal. They are so legalitarian about everything that, ah, you know, you just can't. They've already proven that they're they're a harmless society. Okay, this is something I I didn't think I'd ever get into, but I'm 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 going to lay this out from my perspective because worldview is everything, and what shapes your worldview shapes how you view policy. All of you who are listening, none of you know that my father is a convicted felon. When I was but a young child, me and my brother rode with my dad one night when he was going to do league bowling. He had a few beers, and everyone who was with them had said, said later, like, yeah, we've never seen him drink that little. He had like three beers. Night was over. We were driving home. Got into a car accident. The other car went down over an embankment. I distinctly remember my dad, for someone who, by all legal definitions, was under the influence, taking control of a situation better than most cops would have. Sent my brother up the road to his friend, to, you know, the house of one of my dad's friends, called 911. Grabbed me by the shoulders, brought me over to the edge of the shoulder, looking down over the embankment where you could not see anything because it was pitch black. Telling me he's going to go check on the other car and he will be right back. I remember him Hearing his voice, you know, coming up out of that darkness, talking to the people down there, talking to the to the man who lost his life as a result of that accident. Stay with me, Randy. Stay with me. These are these are things I remember. I'm 36 years old, almost 37. I was like, I think nine when this happened, and I remember it so clearly. My dad served three out of seven years in prison for involuntary manslaughter because that other man, Randy, had passed away as a result of his injuries from that car accident. My dad has completely turned his life around. He is a pillar of the community. My dad runs a freaking charity that raises money for uh, for wounded warriors in our area, for veterans who need help in this area. My dad travels the country doing these charity events to help out soldiers. Legally, he is not entitled to vote or to possess a firearm because of one night, nearly nearly 30 years ago, I mean... And, and, and this can get into an entire 
other discussion on prison reform and justice reform and, you know, training programs for inmates who, who will get out so that they have job skills. So it lowers their rates of recidivism and ending, ending up back in the pen because they don't have these skills to fall back on when they get out. But the fact that we have people in power, we have, I say in power, we have the hired help telling us, their employers, that you are not worthy to possess this item that is used to kill 10 or 12,000 people a year. And I say that's that's the low end because you have to figure two-thirds of all gun deaths are suicides. So, okay, we, we, we can't have these, these inanimate objects that in the hands of the wrong people cause this many deaths a year. When are we going to outlaw McDonald's for the number of people who die from diabetes complications from heart disease from strokes because they have a crap diet when are we going to ban cars because way more than 12,000 people a year die from car accidents these are these are apples and apples comparisons Ah, you can't use a car to kill a bunch of people. Really? Tell the known wolf who rented the pickup from Home Depot in New Jersey, went to New York, stuck a couple ISIS flags on the back of it, and then went careening down the, the paved walkway in Central Park. Tell that to the to the guys who rented that box van in Nice and on Bastille Day went went and drove their way through a crowd killing dozens of people. And it's... But no, cars, cars aren't bad because, well, cars, you have to have training. Well, I, I'm not going to debate. I will debate requiring training. To own a gun, it's a constitutional right. Driving a car is a privilege. You don't have to have training and certification before you can vote. Remember when it was ruled unconstitutional to have a literacy test before you voted? Remember when it was ruled unconstitutional to pay a poll tax before you could cast a ballot. Yet, bills like H.R. 127 want to require you to buy federal liability insurance before you have a firearm. They want you to pay uh, the equivalent of, you know, a tax stamp on every firearm you buy, every component you buy for your firearm. 
Um, I'm sorry. If, if I have to do X, Y, and Z for something that's in the Constitution, it says the right of the people shall not be abridged. That's obviously abridging a right. When you have to say, die, you can't do that unless you do X, Y, and Z. Well, I'm sorry. Before I get on Twitter and I use it to redress one of these government clowns. If I have to go check off a government box before I can redress the government via a public space, whether it's standing out on the street corner, whether it's in a Walmart parking lot, whether it's on goddamn Twitter, that is infringing the right. If I have to get a license to write a book that says why these government policies are wrong, it's an infringement of my right to free press. Adrian says he's about to dismail Mayor Pete over his train and vehicle tax stance on my next podcast. Well, in my hot little hand, I'm about to do something very similar. So if you're listening to this, check out the next episode of Adrian Slade, and we'll see how close together we came. Oh, Lady Di, I, I upset her. Ladies and gentlemen, I apologize for the foul language. I have cursed twice on this episode. There hasn't been any F-bombs. There hasn't been any graphic details of violence. So, no, you'll notice that there is no expletive content message marked on this episode. It is it's still close enough to PG-13 for my liking. I'm going to take a quick break, and I will be right back. This is Tyler from Relentless Daring, and I am launching the brand new RelentlessDaring.com merch shop. Instead of having to go to a third-party vendor, now you can do everything right there at RelentlessDaring.com. If you want to buy merch, go to RelentlessDaring.com slash shop, and there you can get hats, you can get t-shirts, you can get hoodies, you can get coffee cups, you can get stickers. Go there today to show your love for the Relentless Daring podcast, and as always, stay relentless. cardboard flavored doormat textured protein bar how about drink mix packets for your water bottles that are full of artificial sweeteners tired of a whole regimen of pre-workout and protein shakes for your trip to the gym go to builtbar.com for their selection of great tasting protein bars built boost energy drink mixes and built go energy gels built bar offers 18 delicious flavors of protein bars with only four to five net carbs for you keto dieters six flavors of built boost energy drink mix and three flavors of built go energy gel built bars are made in america using real ingredients like honey and dark chocolate go to builtbar.com and use the promo code relentless to save 10 percent and let them know you heard about them from relentless daring All right, getting back into it. Um, so as I was saying right before the break, Mayor Pete. Well, way back in December, 
in January, he mentioned a mileage tax. Because, well, you know, those people who are evil and they they drive to go to work. They drive to go do whatever their vacation whatever their vacation place is. Uh, you don't want you don't want to deal with having to have your shot before flying to wherever it is, Disney. You don't want to fly into New York because you don't have to deal with the shots. You're just going to drive. Well, we're, we're just going to you know, have you pay per mile. Uh, this is from uh, Tyler Durden over at Zero Hedge. Transportation Secretary Mayor Pete is pushing for a vehicle mileage tax. At what point do Democrats start to realize that they're running out of things to tax? Could today be a wake-up call? Perhaps the fact that Mayor Pete, now Transportation Secretary, is honestly pitching the idea of a vehicle mileage tax that would increase the further one travels might wake some people up to the idea that they've gone too far. Buttigieg told CNBC Friday that the idea was on the table to help pay for President Biden's upcoming infrastructure plans. Quote, he spoke fondly of a mileage levy. End quote. CNBC wrote, yes, the three to four trillion dollar infrastructure plan. Buttigieg said, quote, when you think about infrastructure, it's a classic example of the kind of investment that has a return on that investment. That's one of many reasons why we think that this is so important. This is a jobs vision as much as it is an infrastructure vision, a climate vision, and more. He continued, a so-called vehicle miles traveled tax or mileage tax, whatever you want to call it, could be a way to do it. I'm hearing a lot of appetite to make sure there are sustainable funding streams. A mileage tax shows a lot of promise if we believe in that so-called user-pays principle. The idea that, that part of how we pay for roads is you pay based on how much you drive, Buttigieg said. You're hearing a lot of maybe here because all of these things need to be balanced and, and could be part of the mix. He's also considering issuing... Build America bonds. And says there's a lot of promise in terms of the way we leverage that kind of financing. There have been ideas around these things, like a national infrastructure bank, too. <laughs> is, is that a bank where that's like the Fed, and if they need money, they print it? He concluded... There is near-universal recognition that a broader recovery will require national commitment to fix and transform America's infrastructure. Biden's infrastructure proposals are expected to total 3 to $4 trillion. Biden said last week that rebuilding the nation's infrastructure was critical to restore the economy and continue to compete with China. Um... As I said on social media when sharing the the link to the live show, this is what you call a regressive tax. You see, with a progressive tax, such as income or a death tax, where 
you know, assets passed on an inheritance over a certain amount of value is taxed and half of it becomes the government's. Those are progressive in the sense that they affect, they have greater and greater effect on richer and richer people. This is, like I said, a regressive tax. This has a larger and larger effect, not on the rich, but on the poor. You see, I don't do this full time as much as I wish I did. So I drive roughly 60 miles round trip five, sometimes six days a week. My wife drives probably half that every day. So we would be hit on a vehicle mileage tax more so than someone who lives in the city and they don't even own a car. They ride the subway. Or you get some executive who, eh, I can can just work from home. No big deal. And the further and further up the pay scale, the greater the likelihood that they're not driving or they're not hiring a driver. So it becomes regressive. The working poor, middle-class people, people who live in the suburbs and have to drive into the cities to go to work. People who live in rural America and they have to drive to a larger center for their jobs. These are the people who are going to be hit. Uh, The only... and it's going to hit worse than, you know, tobacco taxes, lottery tickets. Tobacco taxes are are an amazing one because, oh yeah, well, you know, uh, the the people people who you know use the tobacco, they're going they're going to pay for this. Okay, so when Barack Obama expanded S chip, what in two thousand. Well, 2013, somewhere back in that ballpark. The expansion of S-chip included a higher tax on tobacco. Okay, that's cool and all, but here's the thing. S-chip provides health insurance for low-income children who are more than likely are being hurt because their parents, being low income, are statistically more likely to use tobacco. So while so you've expanded S-chip, you have literally taken more food off that low income, that poor child's table, because now that, that money is going towards, you know, mom and dad smokes. And depending on what brand they smoke, it can be a a pretty penny. Depending on what state they're in. You know, a a $5 pack of smokes here in Missouri will run you 10, 11 bucks in New York, in New York City. I I can't even tell you what New York State is. 
But the city, yeah, 10, 11 bucks for a pack. I've, 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 back in my days of, you know, when I still use tobacco products, I was more of a dipper than I was a smoker. I hated trying to, I hate trying to buy chewing tobacco, uh, in Illinois of all places. You know, a, a $4 can of my preferred, uh, habit would run six, $7 in Illinois. And I remember being in New, in New York state and laughing at the price of it because it was cheaper than Illinois because apparently in New York, no one dips. So the state taxes on chewing tobacco are a lot less than cigarettes. Well, like I said, they're regressive taxes, lottery tickets, the people most likely to play, to pay to, oh my gosh, I cannot speak tonight. Apply more Jameson and hope for the best. The people most likely to play the lottery are middle to lower income families. Oh, well, uh, yeah, they, they can win. They're winning money back. Yeah, well, that's all, all well and good. But what's the likelihood that they're going to win money back? I mean, even the odds of getting your money back on a scratcher ticket are fairly, fairly low. So you buy a two, three, five, ten dollar lottery ticket, scratcher ticket, in hopes of even getting that two, three, five, ten dollars back. It, it, it's it's not it's not worth the money. And then you know the way the the way the odds are. Even if every third ticket you're winning your money back, you're still on the losing end. And that money is doing what? It's going to, I see, in Missouri, it goes to state education. And it's ridiculous. And that's what, you know, this, uh, this mileage tax is going to be as well. You have people who are barely getting by who have to drive 20, 30, 40, 50 miles for work because where they live, you know, I could get a job here, you know, driving only two, three miles to work, but I'm not going to be making much more than minimum wage because it is a small town with a small economy where you don't have to pay, you know, a starting rate of $15, $16 an hour to get somebody to come in. And a lot of the jobs here in this town, they're, they're no-skill jobs. So you're not going to have people doing them, you know, who are, you know, other than, you know, well, I... I'm 18. It's my first job. I will work in this warehouse and uh, fill light bulb bo- fill light bulb orders and put them on a truck on a FedEx truck. 
or there's a there's a billion dollar a year fish industry just north of this town. I could make minimum wage sorting fish. Yeah, that that's actually a thing here in here in this town is sorting goldfish and koi and other ornamental type fish. But like I said, with you know having a mortgage payment, with having a nice car, with having a Jeep that keeps demanding I spend more money on it because it wants more upgrades. If, if that's the lifestyle I want to have, I can't work in this town. I have to drive. We have, we have people here who they've worked their entire lives in this town. And they have a little tract house that they bought 40, 50 years ago and they're They've just now paid it off and they're very, they have, let's just say their, their lifestyle is very modest. You know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't really be affected by a mileage tax. But like I said, the people like me drives 30 miles to work. I have friends that live in the town where I work. They drive 30 miles the opposite direction to work in another school district. His wife is a nurse. She drives 30 miles another direction to do her job. So they're they're going to get nailed. But you know, it's cool. There's you know, they're going part of this infrastructure plan, uh, we're going to build high-speed rail. Well, the last high-speed rail map that I saw was from 2013. And you know how many trains stop in Richland, Missouri for high-speed rail? Approximately zero. I know it's a huge number. You can't wrap your, hand, wrap your head around zero. It's so hard to figure out. So if I wanted to jump on high-speed on high rail, I would literally rack up a fuel tax or a mileage tax because the closest place I could go is St. Louis. Maybe it would have a stop somewhere between St. Louis and Kansas City. But I doubt it. I guess if I wanted to take the train going to St. Louis, um, I could wait for the old BNSF to roll through town and jump on a boxcar and just hold on to the ladder for the next 180 miles. I, I, that would be fun. But these are these big ideas, these big dreams that these people have. These are people who don't live in rural America. Pete Buttigieg... The closest thing to rural America that he lived in was South Bend, Indiana. Now, I've been through South Bend. There's a lot of country around it. But the city itself, they've got a six-digit population. 
They have a rather large university there. You may have heard of it. It's called Notre Dame. So they would have they would have all sorts of reasons and or they'd have all sorts of access to these kind of things to you know, be on be on a fast be on a fast train to go to go go east. They wanted to go to Erie, Pennsylvania, Cleveland, Dayton, Ohio. Go west to Chicago. You know, for them it's not hard. You have uh, let's see, Adrian says the DC political operative who lives in the outskirts will be pummeled. Oh yeah. Yeah, you, you get those guys who live, you know, you know, they they don't want to live in Alexandria, Virginia. That's too expensive. So maybe they live a little further west. Because, you know, yeah, it, it's it's a bit of a, it's an hour drive to get in, but you don't have to deal with all the garbage of living right there. Those people are going to get nailed. And it, it, it could be some, it could be, it could be a congressional staff. Oh my gosh, what is going on here? Something is making all sorts of noise. But it's the only people who are not going to be affected are the professional class. If you are not professional class, Kim says they will probably be exempt from it. Yeah, kind of like how um, all those members of Congress are exempted from Obamacare. Huh, isn't that weird? We 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 pass a rule that affects 99.999% of the country and we're going to exempt ourselves because we can. Of course, who would expect anything less out of our wonderful wonderful Congress? Which when you stop and think about it, Congress is what you call a collection of baboons. So, again, why wouldn't they? (laughs) Yeah. Steve asked if uh, that's my phone ping. It's actually my my, uh, tablet. It's getting a bajillion messages because something's going on. It's the end of the world somewhere, and I'm getting beat up for it. Um, yeah, it's ridiculous when all this is going on and, and they say they're doing it to help America. They're doing it to help America. Well, no, you're really not because what happens when you force people who live where they want to, to have to move closer to urban centers. I That's part of the reason why progressives were able to kind of divide up and, you know, start redlining and 
segregating off sections of cities for races because you know, with the end of Jim Crow era laws, you, know, you, had, you had a lot of blacks in the South who went north. That's the reason why Harlem has, you know, Harlem, where it's mostly African-American, you have Spanish Harlem, where it's mostly Latin American communities. They were forced in these enclaves by early progressives. And And now the current progressives are doing the same thing. We will make it completely financially unfeasible to live outside of an urban urban center. Well, what happens to land? Land becomes devalued. Well, and, and you, you can't get just anybody to buy the land. So it's going to be someone who's got a strong financial stake who can go, oh, just don't worry. I, I can buy the land and, you know, your, your home, you know, this property will be fine. They just, they just raise your house, R-A-Z-E. And, you know, oh, it's part of the agreement. We'll let, we'll let return to nature. I think the largest single landowner, farm landowner in the United States, I guarantee you, does not know a damn thing about farming. But he knows how to steal software ideas from Xerox, Mr. Bill Gates. These are... These are policies that are designed to pigeonhole certain people into places where they can be pointed at and like, oh, look, they don't love their country. They don't, they don't love the planet because, because they, they want to drive. And <laughs> look at, isn't that cute? They're just getting so worked up because they have this giant tax bill that's half of their annual income. It's an absolute travesty to think that Americans who, you know, we have the freedom to associate, we have the freedom to live where we want, yet now we're going to be punished for using those freedoms. Again, it's like some of these, some of these suggestions with H.R. 127 I talked about before the break. Oh, yeah, you can still own a gun. No one's saying you can't own it. However, we are going to have to have you pay for this this exorbitant fee for liability insurance from the federal government. We're going to have to have you pay for this training before you can use it. We have to have you pay for this, that, and the other. They're going to make it cost prohibitive to own a firearm like they're going out of, the way, out of their way to make it cost prohibitive to live where you want. Ladies and gentlemen, I pray for our country daily. Lady Di says civil war. And, I, and I'm scared that that is the only answer. I don't want that to be the only answer. I mean, Abraham Lincoln, at the start of the Civil War, 
He did not want to make the Civil War about slavery. He wanted to make it about preserving the Union. He even, he's even on the record saying that if he could preserve the Union without dismantling, without dismantling slavery, he would. And then later, you know, he was convicted by God to where, no, slavery is why we are doing this, and by God, we are going to do it. So, oh, man, ending on a downer, this is awful. I hate ending on downers. I just ask, if you're a praying person, I don't care what faith you are. If you're a praying person, pray for peace. Pray for guidance. And pray that the hearts of those who wish such horrible ideas on this country such as the sacrifice of our freedoms, of our rights. Pray that their hearts are softened and that we can avoid a full-on war. But that's going to wrap it up for this show. Like I said, I hate ending on a downer, but that's just kind kind of the way this direction went. But... Thank you so much for listening. Um, remember, if you want to support this show, go to RelentlessDaring.com. Check out the merch shop. I know I haven't done updated it with uh, anything new lately. I've been really busy. Um, but check it out. You know, T-shirts, hats, coffee mugs. You can get a Saki Sucks mug. P-S-A-K-I-P-S-U-C-K-S. Saki Sucks. Um, so check it out. Also, or if you want to directly support the show, uh, there is a donate link right there at the top of the page. Click that, uh, make donations through PayPal. You can have, uh, you can set up uh, a, a recurring payment. You can set up a one-time payment. You know, whatever you can do. Uh, everything is greatly appreciated. It goes into buying neat stuff to keep this show on the air and to improve the quality of the show for you, the wonderful listener. Again, uh, if you're listening to this on on the uh, Apple Podcast, I ask you to do four things, four little things. Number one, subscribe. Then you get the up, you get the update on whenever it is on Sunday morning when this finally posts on Apple. Number two, leave a five star rating, please. Just five little stars. That's all I'm asking. Five little stars. That makes it look. That makes it pop up as uh, shows that other people may like. And when it does, make sure you do step number three. Leave a nice review. That way when it pops up as a suggested podcast, people look through the reviews and go, oh, they generally like this show, except for that one guy. That one guy does not seem to like him very much. And finally, the last thing I ask, please share this episode with somebody that you like, with somebody that you think will think like me. Or send it to someone who does not think like you. Send it to someone who is a crazy-ass leftist and you just want to piss them off. 
I'm good with that. I will be a tool for your spreading of hate and discontent. I love those things. Thank you so very much for listening. Tune in next week as I discuss some other random topic. Or maybe not so random. I don't know. We'll figure it out. And as always, stay relentless. This is Relentless Daring on Podbean.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.